0: Unsilencing Stories is a podcast that reflects the voices of people in small towns and communities in Canada who have lost loved ones to the toxic drug supply crisis. Since 2016, more than 30,000 people have died from fatal overdoses in Canada, and that number continues to climb. The risk in smaller towns and communities is much higher than in urban areas because of a lack of harm reduction services and stigma against substance use and people who use drugs. This podcast is part of a community-based participatory research project facilitated by Erin Goodman, PhD, a faculty member at Quatland Polytechnic University in Surrey, BC, along with students Jenna Keeble and Ashley Pokernich. The aim was to assist collaborators in publicly memorializing their loved ones and expressing grief, as well as challenging silences imposed by dominant media organizations and stigma from society against substance use and people who use drugs. We hope these nuanced stories make a clear why. the government needs to be doing more to prevent further deaths. Please note, this podcast contains information about overdose death, grief, and trauma that may be distressing to listen to. In this episode, you'll hear Stephanie Norton speaking with Shauna Russell in Prince George, BC about her friend Stephan, who experienced a fatal overdose in 2016. So
1: tell us about who you're talking about today, Shauna. So I'm just going to talk about my friend Stephan. He died in 2016 at kind of the beginning. He was like an old friend of mine. I actually don't know where he was when he died. So he was either on Salt Spring Island where he lived or he was in Vancouver. I'm actually not totally clear even on the circumstances. I know that he died of like overdose but it was the first time I had ever heard anyone use the term fentanyl poisoning was when he died. Um, That's what uh, I was told he died of fentanyl poisoning and I was like what the heck. And so I don't know if he was if he was using like an opiate or if he was using something that was just contaminated with fentanyl that he didn't even know.
2: Can you describe a moment or time that you shared together?
1: So when I first met him, we used to hang out like at my apartment a lot. We we just used to hang out and like watch TV and like smoke weed together and (laughs) a really like nice time in my life I was young like 17 and he's a little older than me about 20 and so I just remember going for like lots of walks with him so we used to go for walks in the middle of the night hang out in nature
2: (laughs) so would you say that's what you remember most
1: Definitely just his, like, deep appreciation for nature. When I think about him, I, like, think about being outside with him, like, lots of trees. <laughs> and then I think the thing, you know, there's something that always reminds me of him. There's, like, a certain song that just, like, always reminds me of him. His, like, deep appreciation for, you know, nature and beauty and music. and What's this song? So I don't know if you, like, would know this song. So it's this, like, old... Do you know Ani DeFranco? Do you know who that is? Of
2: course,
1: I (laughs) know. Do you know the song Um, "Both Hands"?
2: I think I do. Yeah, it's like
1: really beautiful song, and I don't know. Like we just like both really connected with that song, and even though I never had a relationship with him, like a romantic relationship with him, and the song is like sort of about it's about going through like a breakup, trying to like fight that breakup because she's really like in love with the person kind of and has all this history with the person but they're just sort of growing apart and they're like not really flourishing together and it like really doesn't like speak to our like relationship or interactions like at all but like it just we both just really connected with it and I used to always play for him on the guitar he'd be like hot oh, play both hands play both hands <laughs> and um yeah, you just like super loved it. That song, like if I hear that song, I just like, immediately think of him.
2: What's your first memory of him?
1: So I met him because we worked, we worked doing telemarketing together <laughs> and it was like a total scam. Like every, it was just, <laughs> it was awful. And we were both just like really desperate for a job, calling people and selling them tickets to basketball games or home insurance or whatever we were selling at that time. He'd sit next to me and we'd just chat with one another. And so that's how we, like, first met.
2: What do you think Stefan meant to you?
1: So he was someone that, like, really came in and out of my life. But, like, he was always someone that I, like, knew you know if I like needed someone to talk to or I just like needed support in some way I could always kind of fall back on him. I felt like he sort of felt the same way about me in Calgary and then I moved to Vancouver and I think part of the reason that he came to Vancouver was like to see me there. He had a lot of problems there and things got pretty tough for him and yeah so it was just like he was always sort of someone who was always there. When I first found out he died the person who contacted me was the the mother of his son and she she told me and i was like what no way (laughs) i didn't believe her so i just like emailed him i was like hey man like what the hell this chick just like (laughs) called me or like emailed me and was like oh you're gone and i still kind of like have that email and i'm always like
2: oh (laughs) he didn't
1: get it you know
2: what do you think he's been the hardest part about losing.
1: I think the hardest part about losing him was that right before he died, three or four days before he died, he'd uh, he'd reached out to me, and so he wanted to go and live somewhere else. I'm looking for a farm to go to. Can you like help me find? a farm that I could just work at and they would let me stay there. And I was like, oh man, like I would like love if you could come to stay on my farm, but I'm not like living there right now. I had some suggestions, like maybe this is how I think the hardest part is just thinking that he was sort of like in the situation that he wanted to get out of. He was looking for ways to get out and he didn't and I just I couldn't help him. <laughs> I wish I had been able to just be like, oh just come stay with me, you know, and like things could have been different.
2: How do you think he would have wanted to be remembered?
1: I think that he would want to be remembered just as a really kind, loving, nurturing person. He could be so, like, calm and, like, stoic. Such a deep thinker, so introspective. If you asked him a question before he would answer you, he would, like, take a deep breath in and he would go... And then he would answer you. (laughs) And so he always thought so deeply about, like, everything that he was going to, like say he would want to be remembered as intelligent and introspective and kind
2: do you have any like specific stories you'd like to share or better yet is there something else about him that you think nobody else knows oh (laughs) like only only you
1: i don't think so you know i think that he was just like a really like open person and i think that he was just like a really open and honest person and so i think that when he especially if you, like, got to know him. You know, I think that he was, like, really easy to read. (laughs) Um, I don't think he was good at keeping secrets. I mean, I'm sure he had (laughs) some, but I feel like most of the things that I know about him, a lot of other people in his life also knew.
2: What do you think he valued most?
1: I think he really tried to be, like, a really ethical person. You know, I think he lived his life really thinking about How he could always be a good person and how he could be kind, helping other people. Even when he was going through like really tough times, he had a lot of, he really struggled with mental health. I remember he wound up for a little while. He was in the psych ward at the hospital in Vancouver and I used to go and see him there. The whole time he was there, like, he was always trying to, like, help out all the other people that were there. And so a lot of the other people that were there, they didn't have someone that was coming to see them. And so it was sort of easy for me because I was living in downtown Vancouver anyways. And so I could just pop in, you know... I worked right near the hospital, so I could pop in after work and see him. And so he would be like, okay, so like bring smokes for this person. You could take this person outside for a walk. They can go out if they have someone who's escorting them, you know. Even though he was having such a difficult time, he was thinking about all these people, people he just met, (laughs) and being like, oh, they have all these needs that I want to help them with.
2: What is a particular time that you recall where he was especially joyful. I
1: just remember this one time, walking around at night in this park in Calgary and walking through all these really big trees. He just was... So grateful for like <laughs> just like being just to be out in nature. He just like really appreciated the beauty. Pointing out all these different little things and that time especially. I think that we probably walked in that park four hours. <laughs> it was like not a short little stroll. We were just wandering around for four hours in the nighttime.
2: <laughs> How do you think Steven
1: affected your life one of the things actually one of the ways that he really affected my life just when I almost first met him so he wanted the two of us had made plans we were going to go work in Banff together and he had done that before he went and got a job and stayed in staff accommodations and so I was like let's do it and I started looking for a job and I got one in Jasper and I was like are we gonna go do you want to do this and he was like he was sort of like changed his mind he was like I want to do something different and I was like man, well, I think I want to do this. And he was like, you should do it. It's like a great experience. You should kind of get out, get away from Calgary for a little bit. Like, I don't think I would have done that without pushing me to do it. I feel like it completely changed the course of my life because I think that just even leaving for, you know, that six months. So I was, I worked that summer. I was 17 when I got hired. And then until I was 18, I worked there. Leaving just like had such a big impact on me. And then I moved back to Calgary. And then right after that, I was like, I'm going to Vancouver. And not long after that, he was like, Me too. I'm coming too. And so, yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that just sort of encouraging me to move away and like get more experience. And both of us moved all, all over the place. He lived all over BC and Alberta. And yeah, it's it's kind of funny because I live in Prince George now and he lived in Prince George for a few years and I'd never like really heard of Prince George until he moved here and then he was the only person that I ever knew that lived here. When I came here, it was after he had died, I was just like suddenly so flooded by all of these like memories and just thoughts of him. Funny because there's this one park here that has got all these carvings in the trees and so when you're like walking through the park you can see little faces. And they're not super obvious. I know the part. You've been there, yeah. And it's kind of really magical. I am so sure he would have gone there and just, like, loved it. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I always think, like, oh, I wish I could have gone there with him.
2: (laughs) Maybe he did some of the faces.
1: I don't think so. I think it's just one specific guy. I feel like he probably was, like, I'm going to, like, find this guy and, like, be his friend.
2: (laughs) What would you say to him now if you could... To talk to him
1: i think i would just tell him that i miss him you know even though he was so kind and like genuine and just could be like outgoing i think he was still like pretty introverted he didn't think about himself he was like a big part of other people's lives i think that he was in and out of people's lives often you know i think that i would just want to tell him that even though he was sort of in and out of my life he was still like a piece of my life with someone that really like meant a lot, and I don't know what I would ask him. I have no idea.
2: Yeah. Is it? Is there anything that
1: you'd like to ask? It's been a long time since he died, but I'm still like clearly like emotional about it. I still like feel impacted by it, and it's just like it's hard to imagine that he's really gone, right? It's hard to imagine just because, especially when it's people that come in and out of your life pretty often. It's hard to imagine that they're still really gone. Like such a beautiful person you know like he was just such a person who really appreciated beauty and really like brought so much beauty to the world it's just really heartbreaking that, that this happened
2: would you, would you say that like he was like a, a reminder for you of that in the world if you like started slipping or um, being unhappy or like just feeling like the world isn't like, kind of an ugly place like do you, would you find that you'd like reach out to him
1: yeah i think that we were both like that with one another <laughs> You know, if I started to just feel I was in a dark place, you know, the world was cruel. People were cruel, you know, like he really would remind me of how genuinely kind and good people could be.
0: That brings us to the end of this episode of the Unsilencing Stories podcast. To listen to more interviews in the series, please go to www.unsilencingstories.com. And if you'd like to share your thoughts on the episode, message us at unsilencingstories at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and please share the project of other people you know.